0: We've been speaking, and we continue to speak on the subject of the grace of God. And recently, in the past, well, I think four or five sessions now, we were speaking of our grace is transferred most ideally within the context of a father and a son. Hence, I encourage everyone in the house, find your placement not in membership. Find your placement in sonship. The era of church membership is obsolete, but you have to, when God sets you, and the Bible says He sets some in the church, the Spirit sets some in the church as it pleases Him. I'm releasing a document which will probably become part of a session in this series, four or five sessions from now, and it's how do I choose a church? Here's the question. How do I choose a church? Where where should I be fellowshipping? Okay? The quintessential issue is not buildings, is not anything physical, is not proximity to where I live geographically. The issue is, do I have a spiritual father that I can connect to? Let me just say this. If you find your spiritual father, you will find the family of God that you are meant to relate to. It's not the other way around. Find your father, you find your family. Amen. So within this culture of father and son, the grace of God flows to maximum effect without effort. All the transfers of grace, most of them in the scriptures, take place between our father and his son. And I said to you, if we ask Who would like more grace, all the hands will go up. But if we present to you the methodology or the economy within which grace transfer is most maximized and most effortlessly transferred, then many people fail to enter that methodology or that economy. The economy is fathers and sons. I don't want to rehearse uh, completely what we've done, but just to, to stress the following... I drew this little diagram beyond this whiteboard and I intend uh, for Liam to do an official graphic of it or some expression of it at some point. Everyone say heart. When Paul transferred grace to Timothy as he closed the book, 2 Timothy 4.22, grace be with your spirit. Right? Remember what grace is. Grace is the anatomical compositional makeup of God as spirit spirit you cannot see it cannot touch it but spirit though unseen though not observable to the natural mind has a substance that substance is called the grace of God if then grace is everything that makes up God as spirit whenever it comes to you it will come to you on the platform of your spirit not on the platform of the soul of your mind or your physical body you receive it on your spirit because that which you receive is spirit it's the substance of which spirit is made up in the scriptures very often the word heart and spirit are used interchangeably so any attempt to impart grace would then have to be from heart to heart from the point of view of the spiritual father like Paul said to the to the Thessalonians we were well pleased not only to impart the gospel to you but also our very hearts remember he said that we read the scripture and we studied this text we are well pleased so the father says i don't only give you messages or, or sermons i don't only give you principles from god's word and there's no connection between us paul says i impart to you the gospel and also our very heart as well for you he says have become very dear to us. When people become dear to you, it is your good pleasure not just to teach them, but to impart to them who you are as well. Therefore, we hold nothing back. Right? I think we are working on this, but already we have a degree of transparency where we hold nothing back from you. We're not only wanting to give you good principles, we are wanting to impart our very heart and life because the word has become flesh in our flesh so we don't stand apart from what we say what we say is good what we say you must listen to but also jump into the heart get to know the the heart and i want to encourage you the degree to which a son pursues his father is the degree to which he will receive the requisite grace that he needs to be successful it's all about pursuit and so in summary what we did we said your heart must be togged i've coined this new um acronym right tell your neighbor tog your heart right this must become a buzzword you must tog your heart in other words i'm asking the question is your heart turned is your heart turned father to son grace is transmitted in this fashion both hearts must experience all of these three things not just sons both the father and the son must experience all three I will turn the hearts of the fathers to their sons and the hearts of sons to their fathers Paul said to the Corinthians remember this we read this in second Corinthians chapter 6 he said my heart is what is wide open to you then he said to them you are not restricted in my heart but you are restricted in your own heart and he said to them now i appeal to you in like exchange open up to us he was open the corinthians were closed he said my heart is open now you corinthians open up to us in chapter 7 he goes further he says make room for us in your hearts O Corinthians, because you are already in our hearts both to live and to die. Alright? And then in the next chapter, he uses the Macedonians as a case study to encourage them. He said the Macedonians are poor but they give liberally according to their ability and even beyond their ability. And what was the reason? We see in verse 5, he said this. Because they gave themselves to the who? To the Lord, comma, and to us. They gave themselves to the Lord and to us. In other words, the Macedonians were given not only to the Lord, but they were given to Paul as a father as well. Many people struggle with this, con- this concept. No problem giving my heart to the Lord, but people struggle with giving their hearts to their spiritual leader. The father was meant to form and shape christ in their hearts all three concepts could be adequately demonstrated from the scripture so i want to challenge the church is your heart turned is your heart opened and is your heart given and i think prophetically by revelation the lord has revealed to me this is the order because you have to turn what did john say i turn to what i turned to see the voice that was speaking to me not here So turning involves an appreciation of the grace that the person carries in his voice, in the word of the Lord that he has to help you in your maturation in God. You cannot open your heart if your heart is not sufficiently turned. Hmm? You only open your heart to that which you've turned fully to see. And if you've opened it and you acknowledge, wow, this voice this individual this spiritual leader was put into my world to when he speaks i hear god grace flows i'm not going to be closing my heart i'm going to open my heart fully and i'm going to give my heart because from his perspective i can already see here's the challenge for sons sons must view how the father is already turned to you how he is already heart open to you And how he himself is already given to you. Those should be activating points. Not so. To be for you to turn. And we ended off our discourse in reference to this fact in the the midweek meetings this week. We did two case studies. How the Bible says Paul loved Timothy. To Timothy he said my beloved son. Timothy loved Paul tremendously the case study that Andy referenced now is Ruth and um, the book of Ruth is the most powerful story and the most powerful parable I believe the whole book is parabolic of a greater truth it's not about a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law it's about a father and a son because Ruth 4 15 says that Ruth is described as better than seven sons so Ruth is described as a son that puts Naomi in the role of spiritual father and there was such love displayed between father and son between Naomi and and Ruth but you know what the Bible says to quote the verse correctly Ruth 4 15 the the, the the women say to Naomi your daughter-in-law I would say your spiritual son comma who loves you is better to you than seven sons you don't come to better than seven sons without demonstrably and overtly establishing and expressing the position of love in the heart where there's love in the heart you're on your way to perfection which is seven right you're on your way to being perfect in christ okay so i want to encourage us and remember i referenced this do you not appreciate how drastic, a, and how drastic Roots transformation was? Hmm? In four months, this girl went from abject poverty, pauper, to being a multi billionaireess She marries Boaz, and Boaz is the man. <laughs> right? She goes from a land called Moab, which means who needs a father? The word Moab means what father, who needs a father? She goes from there, and she goes to the land of Bethlehem in Judah right the land of the patriarchal Judah Bethlehem is house of bread right she she goes from being unmarried a widow her husband Marlon died remember she goes from being unmarried to marrying a key elder key elder Boaz he was an elder in the city Boaz she goes from being barren not being able to bear one child in 10 years not one child in 10 years, to bearing not just a son, but such a quality of son in the person of Obed, who becomes the father of Jesse, who becomes the father of King David, from whose line the Messiah issues forth. So in Moab, she has no legacy, no significance. But when she makes the transition, God takes that spirit, and God uses her to produce something of great significance in the earth today. Orpah, the other daughter-in-law, the other potential son, could not see what Naomi represented and she went back to Moab and its gods remember so it's a spiritual decision because it says she went back to Moab and its gods Now, and the Bible says Ruth clung everyone say cling I don't take that light heartedly I think the word if I remember correctly is Chazak Dabak sorry Dabak Dabak literally means let me just illustrate it you want to come here Linda don't worry <laughs> right if i am ruth and this is naomi okay come opa <laughs> okay, right ruth opa stand here opa and sorry very handsome <laughs> Oprah. opa ruth naomi two potential sons spiritual father what does naomi's name mean good pleasant agreeable but also the root means grace grace is vested in a person Paul says, The grace of God given to me for you, Ephesians. Right? The Bible says that Orpah went back, just go stand there, went back to Moab and its gods. She said, Bye bye to Naomi. And the Bible says, Naomi beseeched both of them to go back. But she made a decision in her heart You have something that's going to change my life forever. You have a resource called grace. I'm not going to let you out of my sight. In fact, my following hard after you is going to now take place. And so, just walk slowly. Like you're going to Bethlehem, Judah. The Bible says, (laughs) and Ruth, watch this. (laughs) (laughs) That's what the buck means. It means she clung. She clung to Naomi with all of her heart. And she makes that seven or six-fold covenantal commitment. Where you go. I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people are going to become my people. My whole sphere of friendships is about to bust wide open, but you are key to usher me into a realm that literally is going to bless me beyond measure. What does the proverb say? My father's friends have become my friends. Right? There's a sphere of association, associations and relationships that will bless you. Right? Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Um, where you die, I will die. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. Nothing but death, she said, will separate you and me. Everyone say covenantal. covenantal. Let me just say this. You want the drastic change that Ruth experienced? You want grace to fill your heart so much? That it not only happens quickly, it happens deeply. The, the, the change is both deep and quick. It's profound and it's accelerated to such a significant degree. It was all the grace of the Lord that, that led to all of this. Now, what I wanted to speak about, I know time has gone already, but I was not to speak about submission today. But we'll probably pick that up next week. What I want to focus on more, I think, is how connectedness to one's spiritual father, yes, positions you to access more grace, but there is something about the house that needs to become the house of grace, okay? I will talk more in detail to that concept, house of grace, at a later uh, point in time, but I want to just Lay some initial thoughts, and then we'll pick this up more fully uh, when we when we continue. Now, do you recall Psalm 33? Look, you Psalm 133. Sorry, Psalm 133 says the following. Psalm 133: Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil coming on the head, coming down from the beard, even from Aaron's beard, coming down upon the edges of his robes. Walk, I think we just put this slightly back. Coming down from the edge of his robes. Now, notice the imagery that is used here. Listen carefully. the translation unity is a bad translation in english the translation should be oneness because there's a difference between unity and and oneness okay Um, i want us to be one not just united in the in the bible scripturally speaking it is god's will for us not just to be united unity presupposes that while you are together in the same context you can still maintain your separateness. Unity is like bringing the pieces of a jigsaw puzzle and putting the grand picture together. But as you look at the picture, you still see the lines. And the lines that form the bigger picture take away from the beauty of the picture because you can already see this is a puzzle. Some contexts you go to and you can see they're puzzling, <laughs> to use the colloquial, right? You can see the arrangement, there's no discord in terms of, there's no fights. And you know the absence of peace doesn't in itself suggest that there is peace. The absence of, of fighting, the absence of any kind of over-discord does not in itself suggest that everything is well some contexts are very good at parading oneness but all it is it's an agreed upon unity but when the chips are down i'll take my piece and go if i have to and if i take my piece of the puzzle away from the picture the picture becomes marred uh, and use used the word today seamless the transition was seamless seamless is when yes you come with your your your, your part and you join and you become a part of the bigger whole but it's we cannot even note the division or the lines of demarcation between you and i we become so one and so tight in the lord it becomes impossible to delineate a distinction between you and i what does the bible say he who is joined to the lord is is one what is one spirit with the lord he's one spirit with the lord now the scripture says how good Behold, everyone say Behold. Behold literally means take keen introspection and note, observe the state of oneness. It's not to be a cursory glance, not to look and to look away. Behold literally means look, stare, investigate and thoroughly examine this. Behold, how good, how top, the Hebrew word is, is top there. How good, this is the same word. That is used when God made creation. And He would make some aspects of creation. And God, the Bible says, He saw that it was good. Scripture says how good it is for brothers. Everyone say brothers. Now please, I really want to, you must listen very intently to me this morning. Brothers, the Greek term is adelphos. It means those that emit from the same womb. Right? Those that come out from the same incubator the same womb. You know what the amazing thing for me in the book of Hebrews, the Bible says that Jesus calls us brothers. It says He is not ashamed to call us brothers. When someone calls you brother, they are saying we are so one. We are of the same constitution. In fact, we come from the same womb. In a natural family, isn't it not true that brothers come from the same mother or called brothers? You come from the same womb. What the scripture is saying is that when you say to someone i am your brother you are saying in you there's something akin to me we have the same ilk of the same caliber of the same constitution we come from the womb spiritually for us it would be the womb or the bosom of our father right we come from the womb or the bosom of our father hence you cannot adopt a a um, a wrong view of your brother you have to view your brother after the view of the womb from whence you both come. You both emit from the womb of your of your father. For of the father, the Bible says, he has begotten us unto a lively hope. Tell you never be you're begotten. So when you are begotten, the DNA of who begot you is in you. Construct the, the, the substance that... Whoever begot you is in you. That DNA, might I suggest to you, is the grace of God. When God begotten you in the kingdom, and you were born into this construct, you were born into the family of God, in whom there are other members called brothers after the same kind as you. Now please follow with me. The Lord Jesus Christ is our elder brother. Jesus is not just your Savior. He's not just your king. He's not just the one who died for you. In the family of God, He's the head. He's the quintessential firstborn in the family. He was firstborn from the Father. And the book of Hebrews says, It behoved Him to bring forth many other sons unto glory. He paid the price for your salvation. You came into the kingdom, but now you are brothers in the household and the family of God everyone say brothers first Peter says to love the brotherhood to be reconciliatory in your mind and your disposition towards others in the house that way we sang that song this morning let us be a generation of reconciliation and peace so everyone say brotherhood please listen very careful going somewhere with this behold you know it's one of the few storms that actually start like this And it's not just, oh, listen, behold. This is like somebody shouting on top of their voice with loud attempt to draw the person's attention to look at something. Hey, behold! Behold how good and how pleasant it is for those who issue forth from the same womb as their father, filled with grace from the father. Behold for that state to be in a state of oneness in a state of oneness right please I want to urge you by the Holy Spirit there's an economy of the distribution of the grace of God that attends a house in a house there's a father and the son but sons multiple sons right it is true that most often individual sons would love the father but most often individual sons fail to love other sons of the father right first John says that if you love the father you will also love the son that is born of the father so my love for the father will actually be demonstrated by my love for my brother please you got to hear me Jesus said this how is it that you say you love me whom you cannot see but you do not love your brother whom you whom you see now watch i am saying yes as sons your heart must be turned open and given there must be a love expression that a son has toward the father but now let me prove to you that even though i love apostle tamon i do who is my father in the lord and i must always ensure ensure that i tug my heart my heart is turned my heart is open and my heart is given i express that love for him yes i can feel things i will support him i'll listen to his word and obey the word that he teaches but listen carefully my concept of grace now is going not just privately from the reception of grace that can flow from me or from him to me number of you is i'm part of a house that he administrates globally okay you're a part of this house we can make it you can apply this to the macrocosm and to the, the microcosm all right all of you love me yes? yes yes is your have you togged your heart ask your neighbor is your heart togged <laughs> in other words is it turn is it open is it given love listen carefully i suggested to you if you're going to receive maximum grace impartation If you don't have a disposition of honor and love for the source of that grace, the grace flow will be impeded. But now, if you love me, I am saying, when people walk through that door, they come into our house. They come into our context. I speak prophetically, and I want you to listen with the mind of your spirit. I'm speaking something that God's going to craft. Textually, you're going to feel the atmosphere. And you're going to say, undoubtedly in this place, are not just people full of grace individually. But I've entered a house of grace. I'll give you the Greek and Hebrew later. But let's not be too Greek and Hebrew today. It's so heart to heart, right? It's biblical. I'll show you the biblical basis for this. You enter into a house of grace. For now, listen carefully. I may use Ian there. Ian uh, is a son in the house. You love me. Do you love Andy? Do you know Ian? Your love for me now—I'm saying this boldly—to your love for me, and your your tugged heart, is now going to be measured by how you love Andy. Because the father said to us, "How dare you say you love me?" Talking spiritually, the father says to sons, how can you say you love me whom you haven't seen, but you cannot embrace your brother whom you've seen? You know, I felt this import God is saying to me. Randolph, your love for your spiritual father is now going to be demonstrated by how demonstrably you love his other sons. If the prerequisite for love, or rather, if the prerequisite for maximum grace impartation is an open heart of love, It's not just one way to the Father. It's lateral to my brothers. For when I love my brother, it's acid test. It's quintessential. It's the litmus test, to use a scientific term. It's a test beyond test. It's a test that either disqualifies or qualifies your claim. In laboratories or in science, you have claims. You all have claims for various things. Not so. And the test, the claim is subject to a test of an hypothesis. Your your hypothesis rather is tested in a laboratory under controlled conditions. The test will either be corroborated, established or discounted. I'm saying to all of us, now the test is, the love for the father has got to be tested by love for the brothers. Now watch again, behold, listen carefully how this thing works. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers, those that issue forth from the same womb, to dwell. Everyone say dwell. You know the word dwell in Hebrew means to abide in a consistent state, never coming out of it. In other words, this is not something you decide one day, I love Jeremy. But today, I'm not feeling too good about Jeremy. (laughs) No, irrespective of what's happening, this is the decision you come to The word dwell literally started in the Hebrew. It always alludes to an abiding condition. right? When it says brothers dwell, this is not occasionally. This is not now and then. This is who you are. You can't come out and in of this thing as you would like. This is who you are perpetually. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in oneness. Now what is it likened unto? The Bible gives a... And an analogy, verse 2, it is like, everyone say, it is like. You know what the Bible, the psalmist is doing? He's saying, I'm trying to get my readers to understand fully what I'm saying. The only way I'm going to show them the power of this thing is to allude to how Aaron was anointed as a high priest. So when Aaron stood, he said, this state I'm talking about, it's like the precious oil on where? On the head coming down upon the beard, even on Aaron's beard coming down where? On the edges of his robe. If you double click the word edges on your Bible programs and you do a word search or come to want to know the meaning of it, it literally means the furthest extremity, edges, edge. It's the, in this context, it's the furthest part away from the head. The point of initiation where the oil is poured is the head. You know, in those days when they anointed you, they anointed you. And they put the oil on your head. So picture this profuse. The idea is profuse. Oil pouring on the head and dripping down his beard. By the way, beard in scripture denotes dignity. Honor, regality. To wear a beard in biblical times was a sign not only of maturity, but of, of weight, of dignity. That is why, if you ever you read in the Bible, and they shaved his beard off. Jeremy, he's the only one with a beard I can see here. Eh? You are a man of dignity, might I say. Amen. A man of regality. You are that. To shave a man's beard off in the scripture was the height to which you could ever go. To discount him, to disesteem him, to embarrass him. Normally what happens, particularly criminals, when they, 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 they did something wrong, they're brought publicly and the first act was to shave the beard. To strip you of any kind of honor that you merit. You see, it's no coincidence that the anointing oil flows to the head, which is the mindset. Everyone say mindset. So when your mindset is right, it will establish your honor. Right? It will establish your honor in God. Although it's anointing oil here, listen carefully. I'm going to liken the anointing oil unto grace. You know why? Because there were five ingredients to the anointing oil. And five is the number of? Five is the number of grace. This depicts for me how grace flows. Grace will flow from your the head, your spiritual father in the Lord. It will come down so long as you maintain a position of love, honor. And by the way you need to be connected because it says every body part is connected to the head and the flow of transmission is by virtue of connectedness not just to the head connectedness to the other body parts not so how can oil on the head get to the furthest extremity on the edge it's by virtue of the degree of connectedness not so I mean what if the shoulder said not going to be part of this body Here the, <laughs> the oil comes and it misses the arm connectedness ensures the entire body becomes drenched with the oil I want to to prophesy to us listen carefully Aaron's body is a symbolic representation of a house you know why because on his <coughs> breastplate he wore Was inscribed rather all the names of the 12 tribes of the house of Israel. His anointing wasn't him privately, he was being anointed personally, but to depict a corporate uh, character that's going to become characteristic of the entire nation. The entire nation, a house filled with grace. What does the last verse? Let's go down to the last verse. Let me quote it to you. Okay, I wanted to show you. It says, For there. The Lord commands a life forevermore. Everyone say life. It says life forevermore. This is where I'm at. Please watch, brethren. You don't, when you arrive at this position, you don't pray for nothing. In fact, you pray very little for your personal needs when you arrive at this position. Because the Bible says the blessing is commanded. What commands a blessing? The state of oneness activates a blessed position. Yes? Right? The state of oneness activates a blessed position. Now, I want to I just bring some um, spiritual application to all that I've just said. If I love Salvin, who is a son of Pastor Thamos, therefore I love Pastor Thamos. I know now the grace that falls on his head in terms of our father in the lord will depend on the degree of connectedness i have to my brother also so i love not only horizontally i start to learn to love i start to learn to love laterally and if you can only get a revelation of this it will change your whole degree to which you can access the grace of god in your life learn to love sincerely and learn to love from the heart each other what you are going to do in the spirit you're going to create a house of grace you know why i say this paul said this in ephesians undoubtedly you have heard of the stewardship of god's grace remember we did this text the word stewardship there is oikonomia made up of two words oikos and nomos oikos means what house everyone say house when he said stewarding grace what he had in mind is grace is going to be stewarded in the context of a house who's the head of a house father and what do you have sons what he's saying the law of god the nomos of god is distributed in the context of the house of god headed by a father who has spiritual sons who love each other in that context the house becomes a house of grace in and through which the law of god will be distributed to people all over the world. The house of God. Now, do you remember the story of the lost son? Yeah, Luke 15. The lost son spent his father's inheritance. He asked for the inheritance prematurely. Not once did the young son or the older brother reference the younger son as my brother. Not once. He always referenced the younger son, in talking to his father he said, your son, your son, your son spent your money, your son, your son. How did the father respond to him? Your brother. All, you must read the text, your brother, your brother. In other words, the older brother was just as lost, in fact I think more lost than the one who left. He was in the house, but he wasn't in the heart of the father in the house. You know why? His view of his brother was not, uh, he did not permit his view of his brother to be conditioned by the view of the father towards his brother. A father's love for the son must become the brother's love for each other in the house. So, I love Gary. Hmm? How I love Gary is how you must love Gary. The degrees to which I will go to ensure that he's he's well, even if he makes mistakes, even if he messes up, right? Because brothers very quickly are willing to write each other off. But if you adopt the fatherly perspective towards your brother, listen carefully, you manifest a love for your your father. The older brother was older in time, but he wasn't first born in rank. He was the firstborn in the house but he's not behaving like a firstborn because true firstborn sons have the welfare of their brothers at heart right true firstborn sons have the welfare of their of their brothers at heart so if you can learn listen carefully if you can learn the mastery of love one for another what you're going to testify to see how i love My spiritual father and my heavenly father. And I taught you whenever there is an established context of love, grace flows effortlessly. Your daughter-in-law who loves you is better than seven sons. Do you know what? When we did the root teaching, a mistake we made, we all wanted to be better than seven. But we all didn't focus on who loves you it's your daughter-in-law who loves you is better no one is ever coming to better than seven sons until you master who loves you but you only love the spiritual father by how you love his other sons other brothers who issue forth from his womb when that is true there will be oneness in the house watch carefully there'll be no breakage at any point to the flow of the oil of the grace of God it is true and it's possible that whatever is in the head will be at the edge will be in the furthest part from the head this is equalization everyone say equalization whatever is in the head finds its way to you so grace will find its way to you if you are completely connected amen so will you learn to love tell you never learn to love amen Stand with me. Learn to love. Now I want to be practical this morning because I don't doubt many of you love me. I, I can testify. I'm, I'm convinced of it. Some of you will give you a life for me. I know, I know all of that. You love me. That's fine. But what I want you to do now is to develop a love for your brothers in the house. I want you to go around to as many as you can. I'm going to allow for 5 to 10 minutes. It's only only 7 minutes to 11, by the way. I'm going to allow for 5 to 10 minutes for this. Go to somebody and express how much you love them. You're not allowed to do this to your spouse, because you're always with them, or your kids, because you're always with them. You can do that privately at home. But just go to someone that is wherever the Lord leads you, just as many people as you can. Just hug them in the Lord to say, affirm the state of your heart towards Him. Do that now in response to the obedience to this word.